Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. This is George Darden. I'm an endurance athlete and coach here in Atlanta, Georgia. And we have for you this week an interview that I'm really, really psyched to be able to share with you. Um, shout out to Michelle Frank, who's actually going to be coming on the podcast here in just a couple of weeks, for hooking me up with Kat Bradley. Kat Bradley is a professional ultra runner, and we're going to talk a lot more about where she came from and who she is and all the things she's accomplished. But all I have to say is that she won the Western States Endurance Run in 2017. Uh, she actually won it at the age of 25. She got into that 2017 Western States via the lottery, which you only have a 2.5% chance to, percent chance to do. Um, and it wasn't like it was an off year. There were three defending champions in the race. Yet nonetheless, at age 25, she was able to run to the win. Um, she followed that up with setting the fastest known time in the Grand Canyon rim to rim to rim. Uh, she went on to win the Moab Reb Hot 55K, uh, won the Montana Oro 50K in California in March 2018. Uh, she won the Quicksilver Endurance Run 100K in San Jose, California. And then in August of 2018, she finished eighth in Ultra Trail du Mont Blanc, UTMB, which is considered to be the Super Bowl of endurance racing, of ultra racing. Um, she was second in the Pikes Peak Ultra earlier this year, earlier this summer, uh, the 50 miler. Uh, she was second in the Leadville Trail 100 miler just a few weeks ago in August of 2019. And this week, she talked to us, and I am really, really excited, as I said, to share that with you. Uh, before I hit play on the interview here, I do want to remind you about our sponsors real quick. Take care of a little bit of business. Uh, don't forget, we're sponsored by ITL Coaching and Performance. You can find them at itlcoaching.com. ITL Coaching and Performance exists to build a community of athletes set on reaching goals and serving the community. They have a passion for helping people achieve their goals and dreams. ITL coaches are real people with phones, emails, and the desire to spend time with you during your training. They are vested in ITL athletes. They take a communal approach to coaching, so there's always someone available to answer questions and to help adjust the training schedule. An ITL coach will be glad to meet with you to chat about your goals and find the best plan to help you meet those goals. We are also sponsored by Blue Pineapple Travel, and you can find Blue Pineapple Travel at bluepineappletravel.com. Um, Blue Pineapple Travel are experienced travel agents who help you design the perfect trip. They're all well-traveled and knowledgeable, and they will be your advocates from start to finish. The agents at Blue Pineapple Travel love to help people plan their travel. Their goal is to match you with the trip that you want. Whether you are looking for relaxation or adventure, traveling solo or the group inside of the U.S. or abroad, they are there to match you to the trip for you. They help you curate all the travel information out there to create the exact vacation that you want. And finally, we are sponsored by SlayRx. You can find SlayRx at www.slayrx.com. SlayRx is a sports nutrition company that makes products for athletes, team sports, and anyone that trains or works outdoors. SlayRx was founded by an endurance athlete and University of Georgia food scientist who was unhappy with the choices he was offered on course in long course triathlon, so he started making all of his own mixes. And now you can either take their online test at slayrx.com or you can be tested in their laboratory to determine the exact amount of liquid and electrolytes that you need to be consuming while racing. In addition to hydration products, SlayerX offers fueling products like their product Diesel, which is available with or without the optimum level of caffeine that is scientifically proven to legally enhance performance while limiting GI upset and diuretic impact. Currently, SlayerX is breaking out a new product called Spark Plug. It's a throwback to Pop Rocks for all of us who grew up in the 1980s, except that it combines the same electrolytes that are in their other products, encapsulated caffeine, and quickly absorbed carbohydrates. It comes in a plastic tube so it can be 
carried on the run and it will work to enhance and fuel your alertness, general happiness and performance on the bike and run legs of a triathlon or of course during any running race that you have. If you're starting to fall apart late in a race, throw back some spark plug. Remember, tell them that the most pleasant exhaustion podcast sent you by using the coupon code Pleasant 2019 at checkout on their website at slayrx.com and you'll get 10% off anything that you purchase there. Test, don't guess with SlayRx. Thanks to everybody who sponsors us. Thanks for their help in getting the podcast out to you so that we can share with you interviews like this one with Kat Bradley. Let's get to it. Kat Bradley, professional ultra runner. Welcome to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. Woohoo! Happy to be here. Thanks so much for having me. <laughs> so yeah, we are we are fired up that you are here. Um, uh, lots of success, lots of wins on your resume here. Um, most famous one is of course the uh, the Western States Endurance one, which we'll be getting into here in a little while. But um, we appreciate your being here. Um, it's funny when I read about you, Cat, online. Um, so much is about that 2017 Western States win, and and so much it says, oh well, she just came out of nowhere. And I know that's not true. Um, and so, if it's okay with you, can we start with like kind of how you first got into running, like way back in the day? Totally, totally. So I um, started running because I was a little hellion in high school, and I was told <laughs> that I either had to uh, join a sport or. Um, and I was facing a semester in detention. I, I was a freshman in high school. Okay. And I was already just getting in lots of trouble. It was like September <laughs> and I'm um, skipping school a lot. And so they told me I had to join a sport um, to try and like, you know, give me something to show up for. And mm-hmm. um, I got cut from the JV volleyball team. And um, so the sport without cuts was cross country. And so I joined that and I was immediately hooked. I mean, it helped that like, you know, I was pretty good pretty quick. So it, um, you know, as a young, young girl, it gave me a lot of confidence pretty fast. And then, um, it became all about just like running to get a scholarship for school. And I, I did, I ran for UC Santa Barbara, but then I, um, quickly got pretty burnt out. Um, I wasn't, you know, the big fish anymore and that, and I, I didn't know what to do about it. And, um, and so I quit and I got kind of into the outdoor industry instead. I threw hiked the Appalachian trail, mm-hmm. I um, was a backpack guide in the Sierra Nevada, and I was um, a raft guide, and then I moved to Colorado after school and was a raft guide here. And mm-hmm. then I was, uh, like, doing a little bit of running here and there, but not really. And it wasn't until I, um, uh, you know, I met my friend um, from Santa Barbara, and he he's kind of encouraged me to sign up for a trail race and um and I did, and uh, but I was still guiding and stuff, and I so it wasn't until I moved to Boulder till I got like you know I wasn't guiding anymore. I was teaching, and so I needed a reason to be outside, and so I um, that's when I really started running a lot more, um, was that, because I needed something you know to fill that outdoor hole. Go ahead. Gotcha. That friend you met was that Luis Escobar. He was one of them. So he was uh, he, he was my first. I was at his. Um, my first trail race was his and then he mm-hmm. quickly took me under his wing like i signed up for this 50k and did it had no idea what i was doing and then like two weeks later i'm working at aid station another one of his races a month later i'm like 
running across the Grand Canyon with a bunch of people I don't know. Um, <laughs> so I quickly, quickly got into it after that. Yeah. Um, super funny. And then I, um, yeah, when I moved to Boulder, I just, you know, started, you know, training, I say, but I, I was run, started running a lot more. And, um, but yeah, it, it says I came out of nowhere, but I, I, when I got into Western F1 lottery ticket, for sure, mine my goal was to win that race. Yeah. Yeah. Which is totally cool by the way. And I, I definitely want to talk about that more in just a second. The, I, I think that, 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 that transition you made, well, first of all, the transition from the track to the trail seems, seems like it was really kind of quick. Mm-hmm. And then, and then the transit, you ran like the 800 and the 1500 when you were at Santa Barbara, right? And in high school and everything. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Well, in the high school, I ran a little bit of everything, but I was okay. recruited for the 800 specifically. And <laughs> may, maybe ran the 1500 twice in college. I know, totally different, huh? Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, and, and so, so I'm, I'm kind of interested in that transition there, like how you transitioned from being, you know, I, I, I trained for this two-lap or, or almost four-lap race, and now I'm going to go out and run a 50K. Um, I mean, yeah, it- well, it, there was a couple of years in between there as well as a through hike of the Appalachian trail. So yeah, yeah. I'd slowed down quite a bit and I wasn't running at all when I signed up for that 50 K. Like I just, okay. I literally maybe ran five times in the year before that 50 K. Um, but I was doing, I was super active. So, you know, when you aren't running, you have nothing to compare yourself to, you know, <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, when I was running 800, my easy runs were all like, at 6.30s every day, so I'm glad that I didn't run leading up to that 50K because, you know, otherwise it would have become training and not something that I just, like, did as this crazy challenge, you know, and when I signed up for that, I know, I didn't think I was going to, I mean, I had no clue what that would have led to, you know, I didn't know that my life was about to take a serious turn. <laughs> right, right, very good, and so that, that 50K was what, like 2014, something like that? Is that when it would have been? Yeah, 2014. Okay. Mm-hmm. Very good. And so, so you had you had finished at UC Santa Barbara. You you had so so I kind of what, what I think I can kind of hear you saying is that that when you when you quit running, it sounds like, or at least when you quit the track team, when you quit the 800 and the 1500, it sounds like you would were you like just planning to be done with running at that point? Yeah, I know. I I um. You know, didn't say I quit running, but I just like was so burnt out that it, yeah. you know, the thought of getting back out there was right. even the thought was just mentally exhausting. You know, yeah. Yeah. I wanted a full break. I just like did not think it was a sport for me. I was like, it's too intense to, you know, and it, it was a shame because it was something that I really did love a lot. And I just, you know, felt out of love mm-hmm. for a little while. Yeah. Um, and I think that happens, and I think it was, like, that time off was really important to me sure. um, and important for my growth. Like, I don't know, as a young woman, I had to, you know, separate who I was from running because, um, you know, I, you know, went through puberty and as, like, this crazy, intense athlete, you know, mm-hmm. all through high school, and I didn't know who I was without it. So, you know, I quit when I was 19, and I think that was super important to do. For sure. Um, just, you know, to figure myself out. For sure. And then, and then you hiked the AT. Was it, was it, so you clearly, you, if, if you hiked the AT, you must have like before, while you were still running, um, while you were still competing in those short distances, you must've had some sort of appreciation for the outdoors. There must've been an outdoorsy side to you, right? You know what? I, I, I did enjoy the outdoors. I enjoyed hikes, but not that much. I didn't okay. understand how much I'd never like 
been I'd, I'd like done this couple day backpacking trip with a few of my friends like when I graduated high school but I my whole you know life was running 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 so right. I didn't get an opportunity to really know what it was and so when I quit um it was just like it honestly I don't recommend doing it this way but hiking on the AT was kind of on a whim and it which made it a logistical nightmare yeah. and it was you know it made it really hard on myself but mm-hmm. um but uh, I didn't I you know the AT is what made me really fall in love with the outdoors and really understand how much I needed that in my life and yeah I did some outdoorsy stuff before but I was never like you know I I thought like I might live in the city before that like I I had no clue how much I needed it in my life gotcha gotcha okay very cool I'm starting to see (laughs) the pieces come together very good very good and then what, (laughs) what, what year was that that you hiked the AT 2011. Okay, 2011. So then did you, you went back to UC Santa Barbara and finished there, is that right? That's right, that's right. So when I quit the team, I also um, quit school for a little while, and then I went back gotcha. um, when I finished gotcha, the gotcha. Yeah. And you got your degree in education, right? No, I didn't. That actually okay. came li- later. I got my degree in philosophy, actually. Um, right on. Philosophy and art. So <laughs> I know a little... Uh, depends, you know, <laughs> depends, uh, where I'm at in, in my life and, <laughs> you know, and I, um, yeah, exactly. And I think that's how it is for a lot of people. And, you know, philosophy, it just, I, um, I think I, I ended up, I didn't know what I was going to major in and I mm-hmm. found myself just in all these philosophy classes, mostly, you know, a huge part of that is because I liked the discussion, you know, and I liked yeah. the small classes. Yeah. Um, which I didn't find, but I actually got into school in the engineering program Hmm. and thought I was going to do engineering and computer science and quickly realized that that's not how my brain worked. Um, yeah, yeah, so it was super cool. And, um, I see. Okay. did quite a bit of art too. And, um, and I've always been in love with that. My mom's a big artist. And so that's always been a big part of my life. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, and then on graduation is when you actually, you said you, you moved to Colorado and you, not to Boulder, but you moved to Colorado and you became like an outdoor guide there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I moved to Winter Park, Colorado. Um, and I went there with the intent of being uh, a ski guide, but that's a lot of school. Like, I thought that was going to be my career. You know, that's a lot more school. So I kind of was like in it, but I also, the program's pretty expensive. So I was working like doing a little bit here and there but working as an assistant guide um in the back country but then also working at some restaurants and then working as a raft guide in the in the summertime and it it was it was really really fun but it was you know seasonal work is tough and yeah. um which is funny because then I went into teaching but um <laughs> <laughs> there yeah. you get paid year round um but I realized and I was doing a little bit after um BAT, I came back to UCSB and I worked for Santa Barbara Adventure Company. I was hmm. doing some backpack and canoe guides and I realized that the kids' trips were um, my favorite. So that's right kind of when the idea got in my head that I wanted to be a teacher. It was, you know, I had the most fun on the kids' trips. Um, right on. And uh, so I moved to Winter Park and then got my teaching license while I was working up there and uh, moved down to Boulder and got a teaching job. Very good, very good. Um, I can appreciate that. I, um, 
I, I, my career is in education. Um, and I'm, I'm in my, my 23rd year as a, as a teacher now. And, and it was my time working as a counselor at running camp that kind of made me think, you know what, I kind of like this whole teaching and mentoring young people type thing. So, so yeah, I, I get where you're coming from with that. Um, and so, so yeah. you, got, you got a job teaching kindergartners, right? I have two sons that are in kindergarten right now. Oh my gosh, so fun twins! <laughs> so yeah, twin boys, and then they're they're super fun. My yeah. my, my they're they're five, and having them be in kindergarten is super fun there. So, um, so you're so you're you're teaching awesome. kindergarten, and um, and then you're starting to do more ultras, right? So so I know you said you met Luis, and he he kind of pulled you under his wing really quickly and you, you signed up. I, mm-hmm. I, I think I read somewhere that you said you signed up for your first 50 K and your first hundred miler at the same time, like on the same day in the same sitting. Yep. <laughs> I've just gotten my tax return back and I, and I signed up and I had no idea what I was getting myself into. Um, but I was like, I just saw some, I, my first hundred was the Bryce 100 and I, you know, never been to Utah, um, other than to ski a few times and, mm-hmm. Um, had never seen a desert like that. I didn't even know a place like that existed. Hmm. Um, so I signed up, I saw the pictures and I was, <laughs> I, I signed up and I was like a hundred miles through this can't be that bad. You know, <laughs> um, it was, a. it took me a, a really long time and it was really hard, but I was, um, you know, super happy to have gotten it done. And, um, and some friends that I'd met at, uh, Lewis's 50 K actually came out and uh, crewed me and it was like this whole and none of us had ever run a hundred before most of us you know had never run an ultra before but it was like I don't know and like eight people came out eight of my friends and so it was one of the you know my fondest memories and we just camped and I just totally like lucky for them they didn't have to suffer I suffered for 36 hours um (laughs) (laughs) they were just drinking beers the whole time they did a beer mile up at 9,000 feet um at uh at Bryce Canyon and it was yeah, it was great. It was really, really special. And that's, you know, and I, but I was, I kept doing races before that, you know, that's before I moved to Boulder. I kept just signing up for these races and I just wouldn't run for six months. And I'd be like, Oh man, this race is coming up. Better run this week. And then the race would come and I'd be completely undertrained. Yeah. So it wasn't until I moved down to Boulder that I like, again, it was my way of getting outside because I wasn't, you know, on the mountain or on the water for eight hours a day. Um, so right. I needed something, um, before, before I was in the classroom to keep me sane. Right, right, right. Were you, so were you, were you running before school or were you running after school? Were you running both? I was running before I could not, after school, I was just so exhausted. Okay. I was also directing the after school program. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was just, I wasn't getting home to like 7 PM, um, most times. And so I was, I was just like, and you know how it is, is, you know, first, second, third year teachers, it's a lot more work as you're putting together your lesson plans and kind Mm -hmm. of figuring it out. Mm -hmm. Um, so I was just beat every day. So I'd wake, I'd way rather wake up early than, uh, Mm -hmm. just stay up late. And I'm still that way. For sure. For sure. So back to that first hundred, uh, the, the Bryce 100 there, you said it, it took you, 36 hours, and I'm sure it was not a, a really fantastic 36 hours, except for your friends. Um, <laughs> um, um, so what was it about that? You crossed the finish line, and rather than being like, holy crap, that was terrible, I'm never doing that again, you actually said, okay, I'm going to keep on doing this. This is something that I want to continue to sign up for. Um, wh- what was it about the race that, that made it alluring, that made you want to keep doing it? Oh, man, so many things. Like, first of all, the trails. Like, it was 
so spectacular. The trails there were incredible and it was beautiful the whole time. Second, like the community, you know, I got to run with a bunch of different people. I got, um, you know, seeing my friends at aid stations was really fun. Um, but third, like, you know, it took me 36 hours and I, I made a lot of mistakes and I was like, man, I want to come back and like do this again and actually train for it. Plus there's just like, I don't know, man, something about running through the night when you're suffering a lot, there's nothing else like it. It's, Hmm. it's pretty, especially in like Bryce Canyon, the stars are, it happened to be a really clear night Mm -hmm. and you're in this red desert and you know, how can you not fall in love with that? And so, you know, I, I was moving through the night that night, like, you know, only maybe 60 miles in. And I was like, I have to do this again. I, you know, even before I finished, I knew that it was not going to be my last one. Um, I think also just like the pure, you don't get, you know, life is hard. It, it, it just is, but you don't get that pure, you know, raw challenge anywhere else, you know, no matter what you're going through. Um, there's something super unique about, um, you know, it's just totally the most human thing you can do um, is I think, you know, seeing yourself at, you know, mile 60, mile 80 and a hundred mile race. And I, and I was immediately addicted to that. Very cool. Very cool. Um, from a practical point of view, was there anything that, that any of your skills as a kindergarten teacher that you were applying when you were actually out there? <laughs> Yeah, um, I don't know, long days, <laughs> putting on a smile, even when you're super tired, and yeah. <laughs> want right. nothing to do with it. Right, um, right, right. Probably sure. that. Um, yeah, I feel like teacher, yeah. teachers also have to solve problems very quickly, quite often. Oh, totally. And that's my favorite part of this sport is the problem solving. You know, mm-hmm. you don't get to do a lot of problem solving in a, you know, two minute 800 but um (laughs) in a a 36 hour 100 mile race you know you're constantly solving problems and that is my favorite part about this sport um and i think one of the reasons why i was so attracted to teaching right right for sure for sure um so kind of fast forwarding a little bit there all the way up until so so you kind of continue to do these races throughout 2013 2014 2015 you're you're teaching you're doing 100 miles all that sort of thing and then you get into the 2017 western states via the lottery right yeah so which which means that's right so you had a 2.5 percent chance of getting in and you got in your name was drawn which is pretty Mm -hmm. incredible and pretty fantastic um and then at the 217 Western states, there there was uh, a couple of media outlets had talked about how deep the field was. One of them had actually said that it was ridiculous. You had uh, three former champions in there, including the defending champion was in there. Um, you had the defending mm-hmm. runner-up was in there. Um, Camille Heron was coming off her Comrades Marathon victory then. Uh, you had Claire Gallagher, mm-hmm. who was the 2016 Leadville champion and who then went on to win uh, this year, as a matter of fact. Um, and, and several other like perennial top 10 finishers there. Um, and you said you went there to win, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so my, you know, I was kind of one foot in one foot out the door, uh, with running, not, not out the door, like I was leaving, but you know, it wasn't my whole, you know, I wasn't, I was, it was still pretty casual about it until I got into Western. Mm-hmm. Then when I got into Western, you know, I knew I'm, I'm super competitive, you know, it's ingrained in me. It's part of my life. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe it's part of 
being, uh, you know, one of many siblings, but, um, I got in and I was like, I'm not training for anything less than a win. Um, Hmm. and so, yeah. And, and it was great that it happened. And I, you know, I knew that, you know, 30 other women could also win, um, Mm -hmm. which was cool. It was a really cool feeling to, you know, be training and knowing all the, you know, those 30 other women were training just as hard, but I, I did, I wanted it. I wanted it. And it just, I had a, a good day and, um, you know, it's cool. It was super cool to, you know, know what I was capable of and to be able to execute. Right on. Right Even on. like there were some crazy conditions that day and I was like super stressed because, mm-hmm. you know, there's snow for 30 miles, like un, just unrunnable. It was, a, you know, they called it the year of ice and fire because it was one of the, it was like in the top two hottest average temperatures ever, um, but also 30 miles of snow. So just like insane conditions. And, um, but yeah. you know, it, those conditions for sure worked in my favor. Well, didn't you, so, so you lost your shoe on a couple of occasions, right? Didn't oh I? yeah. So like in between these snow fields were just this like crazy, the, I've never seen mud like this. And I just hit one, at one point I just took a step in this mud and pulled my leg out and my shoe was gone. The mud had sucked <laughs> my shoe up. So I just, and I looked down at the trail and I could not see my shoe. It was that far deep in the mud. And so I got on the ground and, and this is like at mile 10 or whatever. And I'm like, Oh great. I'm really in for it today. Right. Um, I get it on the ground and I like suction cut my shoe out. It's so, you know, it makes one of those sounds. Yeah. Um, and, but yeah, it's, you know, Definitely a wild day. Definitely, you know, the people who were at the 2017 Western States really got to see it all. Super unique year. Yeah, and so, so, so you you, you tow the line. You have, I mean, that opening for for those you don't know, the the opening four and a half miles of Western States goes up over 2,500 feet from Squaw Valley. Um, there's all there's 15 miles worth of snow. You're losing your shoes, stuff like that. Did you ever at any point in that first three or four hours of the race say, you know what, I'm actually not going to win this thing? You know, I went, at one point I got super, super frustrated. This must have been at mile 20. Like, the, not only was there snow, but they hadn't realized, um, they went up the week before and didn't realize how much damage the, had been done to the trail. So mm-hmm. instead of like the normal switchbacky trail, it was just flags straight down the mountain hmm. and I was just like and this is after my shoe had gotten suction cupped I was just like in between you know stepping over giant trees and you know I was not running it was super slow and um I knew it was slow for everyone but I got so frustrated mm-hmm. um and then as soon as I like you know I really let myself feel frustrated for a second I really let myself feel it um then I tuned it out. Then I, you know, after I let myself feel it, I was like, okay, that's it for today. And I made a goal. I was like, I'm not going to let anyone pass me male or female for the rest of the day. Um, and you know, I, it, it, it worked <laughs> and I didn't, and you know, having that goal really helped me. Yeah. Um, and no one passed me for the rest of the day. And, right. Right. um, and I just kept pe- picking people off and, it, uh, I really needed to feel that frustration for a second in, in order to get over it and just pretend it wasn't there. Yeah, yeah. I think that's such a it's it's such an interesting thing to think about. Okay, I, I'm I'm going to win this race. I'm lining up to win this race, and then 
after a few hours, the opening was such a disaster. And and we should say too that, like you said, everybody was kind of going slow. But the the leaders and the favorites, the people that were being talked about prior to the race, they were on down the trail. I mean, they they had, they had run off and left you, right? And so it's, yeah, they, and I thought they were a lot further ahead. Turns out they were only like. I don't know, six or seven minutes ahead, which is not that much. But when you're out there, it feels like a lot. You know, you feel like you're by yourself. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I did. It was, and I know enough about hundreds that I know that the first 20 miles, you know, doesn't define the whole race. Um, but it was, it was tough for sure. Mm-hmm. And so, so I, I, but you I, can't control what everyone else is doing. Okay, go ahead. No, I was going to say, and, and I, I had read, no, not at all. I, I, I'm, I very much want to hear you talk. Um, <laughs> that, that, <laughs> I, and I, I had read what you talked about how people, uh, how you said, okay, I'm not being passed by anybody else. And then right around the 60 mile mark or so, that's where you actually caught up with the defending champion, Casey Lichtig, and, and, and you rolled on by her, right? Yeah, so that was actually, um, around mile 50 okay. that I caught, it was like mile 50, 52 or 53 that I caught up to her. Very good. Um, and, how and did, I, and how I did passed her and she, did you, did you, well, um, go ahead. I just told myself it's still pretty early and, um, but I felt good. Like she, I, I know Casey and we're friends and I, I know how she looks and she looks not so great. And I know how she looks when she looks good. And I, and I knew she didn't look great. Um, and right before I'd passed Casey, I'd also passed um, Magdalena Bolette, who was uh, the champion two years prior, the 2015 champion. Right. And she didn't look great either. And I just felt, I felt like Superwoman. Like at that point, you know, I, I felt really, really good. And so I, um, you know, I was, they were both hiking up the trail, trails that I was running up. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, and I told myself, like, I let myself feel it and let myself be like, okay, this you know, I'm, I'm moving up. Um, and at that point I'd moved up from, uh, passing those two Magdalena and Casey, two former champions, I'd moved up from uh, fourth to second. Mm -hmm. So I, uh, let myself feel that and be excited about it, but I knew it was still early in the race, you know, Mm -hmm. mile, (laughs) the race doesn't even get started till forest Hill, which is mile 62. Um, yeah. Um, very good. Very good. Um, and by the time you got to Forest Hill, were, were, you, were you in the lead by the time? You, that's about where you took the lead, right? Was, was it Forest Hill? Yep. So I um, came into Forest Hill in second, but Yi Wang, who's super strong, Absolutely. and I know she's super strong, um, I uh, overtook her at um, Forest Hill. And, you know, she kind of, we actually left Forest Hill together. She, um, I, uh, she entered the aid station first, but I just wanted to get in and out. So it's like a you know, NASCAR pit stop. <laughs> and, um, we, uh, change bottles. I leave, she sees me leave and freaks out and then leaves with me. And, mm-hmm. but she probably should have stayed a little bit cause she wasn't mm-hmm. feeling that good. Um, okay. and so I, uh, yeah, we left together and I let her go ahead on the single track. Um, you know, I was, you know, I just was like, fine, you take, you go ahead. And so we left together and where she's running ahead of me on the single track and we've both got our pacers. And then, um, all of a sudden I felt myself slowing down trying to match her pace instead. And I, then that's when I shortly after leaving forest Hills, when, um, I asked to pass just to run my own pace. Um, and then I was in the lead from there. Right on, right on. You said you had a pacer with her. Who was your pacer? 
Um, Ryan Lassen. Okay, very good, very good. Um, and then yeah. Magdalena was stayed fairly close behind you for a lot of the rest of the time, right? Mm-hmm. So at um, the river, I got word that she was six minutes behind me. Mm. Um, and then I think where I put a little bit of time on her is um, running up Greengate. Greengate is like the final big climb uh, of the race. I mean, there's a few little ones, but it's a couple miles. And um, I, I knew she was right behind me. So I just put my head down and, and ran almost the whole thing. And um, I got word later that she hiked it. But we ran. I mean, I ran like I'm like she was chasing me, like she was six minutes behind me the whole time. <laughs> you know, Very good. we're definitely racing at that point. Right on, right on. Very good, very good. And so, so, did your did your mindset start? I mean, so so you had you had already made that resolution at twenty that okay, nobody passes me, nobody mm-hmm. passes me. That actually, I mean, that that would work for the whole remainder. But did you change your mantra? Did you change your mindset there as you moved into the lead or anything? Or were you still just like, all right, I'm in the lead now, and still nobody's going to pass me? I once I got in the lead, I I just did everything I can. No one passed me still um, from there on, but it, it became more about maintaining. Um, it, it became more about, you know, doing everything I could to uh, be sure I could sustain the effort I was running. Very cool. Very cool. All right. So, and then of course you, you get onto the, the, the high school track there, you cross the finish line and you're the winner. Fantastic. What'd that feel like to cross the finish line as the winner of the Western States endurance run? Um, it felt, you know, pretty surreal. I, uh, I'd been so, it, it, you know, it'd been so intense all day and I hadn't let myself like think about winning the race. I, I had not thought about the place of track once until I stepped foot on it. Hmm. Um, and I, uh, all of a sudden, like it hit me like a ton of bricks, you know, I was there and I was going to win this race and there was no, you know, no, no changing it at that point when you're on the tra- track. Mm-hmm. And that's what was crazy. Um, you know, so it, you know, this whole day came washing over me in those 300 meters of the race. And, um, yeah, it was pretty cool. And I got, it was, you know, I, I don't know if I've ever felt so loved in my life. I'd had, you know, my, my best friends here from Colorado fly out and they were all there. And I had some friends from my friend that, um, I got into altars with Sean, he was there um, and my fr- good friend Molly and like so many people that I care about so deeply were all there. And I, and I really, I like never felt that love before. It was pretty incredible. That is cool. That is cool. Um, I want to ask you about, so I, I, I read a quotation that you gave to the Denver post after you had won. And I thought it was interesting. And you, you kind of, you kind of alluded to this just now. Um, what you said was quote, it truly felt like I was shedding a layer of skin. I had this focus and almost armor on all day, and it felt like it just dissolved right off me. And for the first time, I was able to absorb the day. It was incredible. And still, that finish, that Western States win, does not feel real. The only moment that it felt real was running around the track. Um, <laughs> and I, I like that quotation, and it's, it seems interesting with what you just said about how you were so intense and you're so focused in throughout the course of the day. And it was only like once you mm-hmm. stepped on the track that you're like, oh, wait a second, I'm about to win this giant race. Um, and yeah, I, I think that's that's really interesting. And I, I'm, I'm wondering maybe if you could talk a little bit about like so both your mindset during that race and I suppose your mindset during all of your ultra races here about just being in the moment like that. Can you talk a little bit about that? 
Yeah, and that's something that, you know, you can't capture every time. And I, that's something that I'm trying to get better at. You know, I I really did, even though it wasn't a perfect day, you know, I had some bad stomach issues. I did, in terms of my mental space, I, I captured light in the bottle. It was, you know, my head could not have been in a better spot. And that's because I was so in the moment. And, um, and I, and I have been, you know, in the last couple of years, I've, since then I've gone through some injury and it's been a little tough. Um, but I, uh, so I've been, I've been just trying to, you know, in the last, I, I had that realization that it was me being in the moment. That's what made that day so special. And, um, and I, and I think that's, you know, we talk about the flow state um, for races and for runners and for, you know, even stand-up comedians talk about this, whatever your um, profession or passion is, you get your, at your best when you get into the flow state. Mm-hmm. And um, being in the moment is essential to, to capturing that. Right on, right on, for sure. Um, do you think... Um do you think that maybe your time as a philosophy major helps you kind of get into that mental place? Um, I hope so. I know it helps me win <laughs> arguments in life. <laughs> That's really the only thing I've, <laughs> um, but I, uh, I do too. think, you know, it, I think it's made me, you know, think, mm-hmm. uh, that's something that I I've learned, um, in my time is, you know, studying philosophy and is it really makes you stop and think about things um, and find a, a different way of looking at um, the sport or whatever medium you're, uh, you're doing. And it's, and it's super cool. So, um, and nice. I do, I mean, I, I think philosophy and running goes hand in hand. And I think a lot of runners will tell you the same. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For sure. For sure. Um, do you find, um, you mentioned that that you know you really once you, once you got into Western States in December and then you really started training and you really started focusing on it a whole lot. Do do you do do you do things specifically to train yourself mentally, or do you just find that the mental side comes around with all the training that you do in order to get ready for the physical challenge? For me, the mental stuff comes around, and I think especially when I was teaching, you know, I think I joke now that like now that I'm not in the classroom every day, I've gone a little soft um, with my training because I can kind of train at my own time. But um, it does come around in the training and it comes around, uh, you know, with those really tough runs and it comes around, um, you know, when you feel fatigue setting in and then it comes in those runs in the later state of a, of a training block and you all of a sudden like things are clicking, you know, and some, sometimes that doesn't happen in training block and that's okay. But like, even when it doesn't happen, you know, just the everyday process of getting out there really does do a lot to, um, prepare you mentally. Very good. Very good. Yeah. I've definitely found that. I mean, we, we talked to Alex Hutchinson on this podcast, um, a few months ago and he was talking about how, um, that that someone's mental toughness studies have shown that people's mental toughness can ebb and flow the same way that your fitness can ebb and flow, and so like it's like you get your body mm-hmm. in shape, but you also get your mental toughness in shape. And I think it's interesting to think about you also sort of get your mind in shape in terms of your ability to your ability to to remain in the flow state. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's totally. Good. Um, yeah, I think that's interesting. Yeah. I think, 
I think about like when I've taken long drives when I was really fit, the long drives seem to go a whole lot better just because my, my brain is better at staying in the moment. Um, Oh, that's so interesting. You're right. (laughs) You're right. That's uh, the same for me too. It's just like a matter of being able to, I don't want to say tune out, but, um, but more it's maybe tuning in to everything around you instead of just tuning out. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and so then after your big win there at Western States, uh, you kind of went on a little bit of a tear. Um, I know that you, you won the Moab Reb Hot 55K. You won the Montana de Oro 50K uh, in March of 2018. You won the Quicksilver Endurance Run 100K in San Jose. Uh, you did rim to rim to rim at some point in there, didn't you? Yep, I, I um, got the FKT there. I was the first woman to break eight <laughs> right hours. On. It right was on. pretty cool. Was, that was a long time goal. Yeah, yeah. When was that? That was November 2017. Oh, okay. So that was pretty much that was that was right on the heels there of of their your 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 win at Western States. Then very cool, very cool. Um, mm-hmm. And then in 2018, you got uh, you got eighth in the uh, the UTMB, the Ultra Trail du Mont Blanc, right? Mm-hmm. That's what, right. What, what, I mean, that's so so that's that's the Super Bowl of ultra running. Uh, what was it like to be there, and what was it like to get eighth? Uh, it was pretty special to be there and to um, get the podium. You know, I was uh, was supposed to race Western States that year, but I had, you know, just like this long string of injuries that started kind of, um, you know, all when I'd been dealing with them and uh, all winter long, I was just able to race through it. And then I, I couldn't anymore um, and pulled out of Western States at the last second. So I actually was only registered for UTMB a few weeks before um, before I, hmm. I, I like decided to do it on a whim. So I had very low expectations and I was not well trained for it. I'd like just taken six weeks off running completely off and then had maybe three weeks of running and then, you know, then ran it. <laughs> um, so I had low expectations. So I was, you know, again, like I, there was a lot that I could change and was, uh, you know, I was really, really, really proud of that effort. But I wasn't satisfied, if that makes sense. It totally makes sense. Yeah, totally makes sense. So, so it sounds. I think that's interesting what you're talking about. Like you go into Western States um, in 2017, you're like, I'm going to win. You go into to UTMB in 2018, and you have really low expectations. And they were both, as it turns out, good races for you. Um, Do Mm -hmm. like I'm not sure exactly how to ask this question, but but how do how how do you think that those differing expectations go into the race going into the races um uh influenced your experiences during the races themselves or did they well um so in terms of just like having i U, utmb is so much more than the result to me like in terms of having a good day western states things just went right even though not everything went right i was having some stomach issues things went right utmb things went horribly horribly wrong hmm. So like it's even though the results kind of speak to a good day, like it's just um, it was like it's important to say that things went horribly, horribly wrong because Mm -hmm. I had it's important to say that because my expectations going into that race, you know, having lower expectations, I think, helped me brace myself for that. The you know, when things just went, Mm -hmm. you know, took a really bad sideways turn. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, because of that, you know, I was like, okay, you know, when I'm like going in it to win it, you know, when things go wrong, it's a little harder to keep your head in the game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but when things, uh, you know, kind of fall off the rails and you're like, oh, I'm going to finish no matter what, even if it takes me 40 hours, um, you know, then you're able to take a deep breath, you know, really take the time to figure out what's going on and, you know, still enjoy the race, mm-hmm. even though, you know, you're missing all your goals and mm-hmm. things are out of your control. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, UTMB 2019 was just last week and, and Courtney DeWalter, an American, won. Um, does that mm-hmm. does that fire you up? Does that make you want to go back and do it again and try and win? Absolutely. Um, I've always, I was going to, try and go back and win it this year, but you know, life got in the way and, mm-hmm. um, it's been a tough couple years for, uh, injury and, um, but absolutely that is on my radar and I would, you know, that's always my number one goal when I go into a race, try and win. So I'd love to go out and, uh, give that one a go. Absolutely. Absolutely. Very cool. Uh, very cool. Um, so, so speaking of, of, of other races, we should also say, so, uh, this year, July, just a couple months ago, you got, you got second, the Pike peak Pikes peak 50 miler. Um, and then you were second at Leadville the hundred miler in Leadville. And, uh, uh, just last month, as a matter of fact, uh, what'd you think about Leadville? Oh man, I love Leadville. I've paced it a bunch of times and you know, that race gets a bad rap, but I, I just absolutely <laughs> fell in love with it. And, um, I, uh, again, like proud of the effort completely not satisfied and so i'm itching to go back to that one and give it a a proper effort right on right on okay so tell me this um and and um i think it's it'd be interesting to hear kind of kind of your take on this because as i'm looking at like your resume here and 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 kind of what you're talking about doing you've run like i don't really see any races that you've run twice on your resume it seems like every race you run you've only run once um do you, That's do you, true. <laughs> do, you, do you like make a goal to try and run new races and find new challenges? Um, or is that just happened to you know, be that way? That's just happened. And I, I've signed up for the same race twice. I've signed up for Western twice and I signed up for UTMB <laughs> twice. And it just like, yeah. I really wanted to go back to both, but both like, again, I just got weird. I got, just got injured, mm-hmm. uh, injured and, um, it wasn't going to work. And, um, so it's, it's cool that I've, I feel like I've knocked out a lot of, a lot of the really big races mm-hmm. in a very short time yeah. of being in the sport, you know, mm-hmm. five years, isn't that long of running ultras. And I, I think I've done a lot of the really big ones. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt for sure. And you've done well in a lot of the really big ones, which is very cool. Um, so yeah, so, it is. Which, I'm psyched. Yeah, me too. Um, which, which ones are still on your, on your got to do list? Well, right now I have a bunch of, uh, you know, ones that I want to do internationally. Um, I want to, you know, kind of take a dive at the Ultra Trail World Tour Series. Um, But then I also, you know, I really want to go back to Western States. Mm -hmm. Um, I really want to go get that another go. And, um, you know, since Leadville, I've been able to stay healthy and that's super important. I want to put together like a whole, you know, three, it's been really tough because I have, I will get like three weeks of training in and we'll have to take four weeks off. And that's mm-hmm. been cycles been going on for, for two years. And so it's, and it's super important in the sport to just have consistency, you yeah. know, yeah. even if you're fit, you know, just the nature of a hundred miles requires, you know, the trial miles, you know, mm-hmm. you got to run every day for, for a really long time. And, um, and I, 
haven't been able to do that. So I really want to go back to Western having had a, or have hopefully knock on wood that this year will be as healthy as it's looking. I think I got my issues figured out. Um, right so Western is the big bucket list one right now, but also I, I think I'm going to go run Tarawara this year in New Zealand. Right. Um, I'm going to go to Spain and run Penia Galosa. Um, mm-hmm. And then, uh, yeah, then Western States. Then we'll see what comes after that. All right. Very cool. Very cool. Um, so I, I want to ask you about one other kind of quotation I saw. And we've already talked about mentality. And, and, and I, I, of course, heard this from what you were saying in describing the Western State starting line and everything. But I found another quotation from you that I thought was very interesting that I wanted to make sure to, to ask you about. Um, and, and you were talking about the starting line. Um, uh, and I'm going to use this to kind of segue into what advice would you give to sort of first-time ultramarathoners. Um, but what you said was, quote, if you're in it, if your heart is in it at the start line, it's not that hard to get through mentally. You know you're going to get to the finish line. But if you're not convinced at the start line, then there's a way bigger chance that you're not going to. The bigger part mentally comes before the race. Um can you talk a little about what you mean by that? That the about being convinced that the starting line is more important and that's more difficult mentally than totally mental out tally during the race. Can you talk about that a little bit? So, hundred mile races, fifty mile races, fifty k, even are they're long. You're out there for a long time, and if you're kind of you know, you have to be inspired by what you're doing. You like it's so important in, in this sport. To get to the finish line, you have to be completely in love and inspired by what you're doing. And if you're kind of like thinking, just doing it, you're just there to, you know, check off a bucket list item and you don't, you're like, oh, my friends pressured me into this. Like, I don't, you know, maybe it'll go well, maybe it won't. You're not going to finish when things get hard. You're not going to have that thing um, keeping you going, you know, that little fire that keeps you going at mile 80 when things just suck and you want to quit so bad. I want to quit in almost every single race, you know, but I have. I, I want it. I want it. And I'm inspired by what I'm doing and I'm inspired by the race. So what I'm saying by that is find something, whatever race or whatever, you know, whatever project that you have, make sure before you even start, make sure that it's something that you truly, truly want to do, you know, take a good look at yourself and make sure that it's something that um, is really getting you, getting you going. Right on, right on. Um, I like that a lot. Um, so what other, so in addition to, to making sure you're getting into the, for the right reasons, making sure that you're, you're, you're inspired by the challenge here, what other advice would you give my, my, uh, my next race, my big target race, uh, for the fall is, is the JFK 50 miler in November, as a matter of fact. So what advice would you give for me or for other people who are getting ready to do their, their first 50 miler or a hundred miler? Um, get good people to train with, you know, that'll make training way more fun and it'll push you to go faster. Um, again, take a look at yourself, get yourself fired up for the race, get yourself fired up for, you know, suffering, embrace, you know, really go into it knowing it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt really bad. So you're prepared for that. And so you have something when it does hurt that keeps you going. Um, and then some practical advice, is uh, someone told me before Western States, and I'll never forget it, is to uh, sip and nibble. Don't eat too much or drink too much at once. Just mm-hmm. take little little bits in um, the entire time, and uh, that'll keep you from having any GI distress. Um, yeah, and then, you know, after the race, let yourself be proud of it. It's, it's 
super easy to get in a rhythm of, you know, you know, finishing a race and then signing up for the next one without even fully appreciating, you know, what you just accomplished. Um, you know, it's, that's not a, you know, fun way to go through life. It's a trap. So make sure you really appreciate, um, the accomplishment before you, you know, look forward to the next one. Right on, right on. I think that is good advice. I appreciate that. Very good. Um, all right, I want to talk a, a couple of kind of things to wrap up here. Um, I, I, we've taken a lot of your time already, and I, I, I know how valuable your time is, and I appreciate your, your being with us here. Um, uh, you're sponsored by Solomon, is that right? That's right. Uh, what shoes do you wear? What, which Solomon shoes do you wear? Um, so my two favorites right now are the uh, uh, Sense Max. It's a more maximal shoe, and I really like the... Um, the Sense Ultra too. The Sense Ultra is like a super, it's a more precise shoe, but has quite a bit of protection. Um, you know, I wear it from anything. I wear it on roads. I wear it, you know, for 50K training days. And it, it you know, they just, Solomon, just the quiver of shoes is amazing. They just have such great options for everyone. Very cool, very cool. Do you wear Solomon clothing as well? Yep, I do, I do. Right on, right on. And then I know you work with some with Weasel too, right? Weasel. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just a friend of the brand, so I'm okay. not sponsored by them. I'm a so I do I you know do if they need like what they call a trail expert, someone to put on how to trail run clinics. Okay. Um, Very good. And then that is Solomon partnering with um, so Solomon will bring a bunch of demo shoes and we'll um, you know take a, a bunch of the volet on a run. Okay. It's a really cool you know friendship though i i'm i could not love that brand more very cool very cool very cool all right so um last question here and it's a question that we ask everybody what is your favorite workout oh man um you know my favorite workout has got to be a door-to-door so i live in uh at nine thousand feet in colorado i live in a small mountain town called Nederland, Colorado, and it has some of the best mountain access in the country. Yeah, right outside of Boulder. Um, mm-hmm. My favorite run right now has got to be an up-tempo, I, you know, running by myself, um, high lonesome loop, which is a 15-mile loop from my house. So um, from door to door, it's 25 miles, and I, you know, take the road, because I'm, you know, I have a road background. I really like running roads, too. Mm-hmm. Um, run the road up, you know, pretty slowly, then run the 15 mile loop at a moderate effort, you know, and it's such a stunning loop. Like it's, you know, you're in the high country. Um, mm-hmm. And then uh, run that loop at a moderate effort, like really letting loose on the downhill um, and then uh, taking it pretty fast on the way home. So it's five miles downhill mm-hmm. home to my house, you know, not crazy downhill, but like a slight downhill on road um and just taking that pretty quick and letting the legs turn over so you get a good bit of like slow road running hard beautiful mountain running all you know from nine thousand feet all the way it goes up to almost you know almost thirteen thousand feet mm-hmm. and then uh then just booking it home mm-hmm. uh, it's a little bit of everything right on Perfect. Very good. That's Great. what I'm doing this Saturday too. <laughs> <laughs> good. Something to look forward to. Well, on on that note, then exactly. How, how do how do folks actually connect with you, like online? You, you, I know you're on Instagram, on Strava, that sort of thing. Where, where, where can folks uh, follow along with uh, with Cat Bradley? Um, absolutely. So my um, Instagram is Cat B Rad C A T B 
E R A B. My Facebook, I have a Facebook page. It's just Cat Bradley. Um, then my Strava, same thing, Cat Bradley. And um, my website is catbrad.com. Mm. Um, and if you want to contact me, you can contact me through the website or through Instagram. I'm usually pretty good at uh, replying to both. Very cool. Very cool. I'm definitely going to follow you on Strava within the next 10 minutes or so that I can make sure that I, I have you in my feed so I can see the run that you do on Saturday. I'm excited to see that. <laughs> oh, excellent. Right on, right <laughs> Look on. for the pictures, too. Excellent. Very good. I know pictures are part of it, too. Excellent. I, I, I'm, I'm very excited about that. Cat Bradley, thank you so much for being with us on the Most Pleasant Exhaustion podcast. It was, it was truly an honor and a pleasure. We appreciate it. Excellent. Yeah, it was great talking to you. Um, thanks so much for having me on. That'll do it for another edition of the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast brought to you by ITO Coaching Performance, by Blue Pineapple Travel, and by SlayRx. If you want to reach out to me, you can always find me, George, at itlcoaching.com. If you want to reach out to Patrick, it's Patrick at itlcoaching.com. Or you can send us a podcast email at pleasantpodcast at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at Pleasant Podcast, and we're on Facebook, facebook.com slash pleasantpodcast. If you want to find ITL Coaching and Performance, they're at itlcoaching.com, on Twitter at itlcoaching, and on Facebook, facebook.com slash performance. If you want to find Blue Pineapple Travel for all your travel needs, facebook.com slash bluepineappletravel, bluepineappletravel.com, and instagram.com slash bluepineappletravel. See all the incredible places where folks are traveling thanks to Blue Pineapple Travel. And, of course, our newest sponsor, SlayRx. You can find them at SlayRx.com, at Facebook.com slash SlayRx, or on Instagram at Instagram.com, here for, the number four, here for SlayRx. Don't forget the discount code as well, Pleasant2019. That'll get you 10% off anything at their website. On behalf of Patrick Ollinger, this is George Darden. Thanks again for joining us on the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. See you next time.